Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting experts straight talk in your ear. These podcasts deliver great interviews with industry leaders and Zweig Group's three decades of invaluable research, leadership, management, marketing, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop personally and professionally, wherever you are. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited. I can't believe it's already fall and there's so much going on, the Christmas of the air and all that good stuff, uh, but I'm excited to um, have uh, on here today none other than Brendan Shearer, who is part of our M&A team here at Zweig Group and an outstanding individual in his own right um, who is... Um, really graced us here at Zwy Group with uh, a lot of energy and enthusiasm and great ideas. And so I asked Brendan to come on to the podcast today to kind of share what he's been doing, what he's been up to lately, Get it, just to also give you a little insight into uh, what's going on in the minds of different ones that work here at Zwy Group, uh, subject matter experts, leaders, uh, the 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 growing group of uh, the youth movement here at Zweig that's really kind of taking over the design industry. And I'm really excited to um, have Brendan on. And I've had some of his other colleagues like Noah and um, and, and others, uh, of course, Jamie Claire Kaiser, the head of uh, director of consulting here at Zweig Group and also the head of the M&A department. Uh, but but Brendan, man, it's so glad to have you back on the podcast. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'll, I'll speak faster too. Will Sneer from Big Red Dog told me I needed to so to speak faster. Yeah, yeah that's fine. That. You're you're from you're from Southern Arkansas, so that's okay. We give you a pass on that. So <laughs> it's all good. But anyway, you know, today I wanted to um, uh, you know just check in with you, see what was going on, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know there are a couple of things that you've been working on lately uh, here internally that I thought it would be worth sharing with our listening audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of things that I'd like to talk about today is um, just kind of the state of, of, of M&A in the design industry, because things seem to be moving fast and furious. Every time I look up, um, we've got another deal closing. There are a lot of things happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, be curious for you to kind of give some insight into what you are seeing in the industry. And also, um, you know, for those that are listening that may be positioning their firm for acquisition or positioning their firm because they want to um, because they want to acquire another firm. You know, what what does it take to set your firm up for success to be ready for what everything that is entailed in a proper merger and or acquisition? So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Also want to talk because you are a millennial. Um, and, and it's this buzzword that we talk about all, mm-hmm. all, all the time is this millennial mindset. I, I, I thought it would be good for you to kind of share your thoughts on it and give some insight, especially to some of those firm leaders and, and other uh, senior leaders and in, in design firms that are maybe struggling with, you know, properly communicating with um, individuals from your generation. And um, not to say that you speak a totally different language than, right. than, than somebody else, but I think it's just important to understand the differences in a firm 
you have generational differences. Absolutely. Um, and you can ignore them at your own peril. Right. And so I'd love to just get your thoughts on that and just find out what you think about that. But let's just let's just get started. This state of M and A here mm-hmm. in the design industry right now, as as of uh, you know the 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 end of the third quarter of twenty eighteen. What what are you what are you experiencing? What are you seeing right now? Well, I, I believe when, when I first began, there was um, there was a realization of kind of a. Uh, a a depressed market when it came to to talent in, in areas that you don't have a foothold in. Mm-hmm. And so one of the remedies uh, was to look for strategic acquisitions, not just for expansion of services, entry into new markets, new geographic reach, but also just as a human resource addition. And so with that, um, there was increase, in my opinion, increasing interest in what M&A could mean for my firm and that you know that uh, that mindset you know it, it it had it its infancy and so there was not a lot of education at in mass around the subject but gradually over the time over time over the last few years increasingly there's been better education on M&A and what it could mean some of the fears have been dispelled uh, some of the preparation necessary to have successes has been done more strategic plans uh, it seems have a component of of M&A at least as a discussion if not an outright plan and in some cases uh, an absolutely devoted committee or or employee to uh, to M&A and so over time it's went from interest to education to execution uh, and and ultimately, it's it, it serves as a great way to uh, to expand all of those classical areas of growth. Like I said, geography, service, markets, uh, youthful expertise, new technology. A lot of that can be killed uh, with M and A. A lot of those things can be satisfied with M and A. Yeah, I mean it's it is it is certainly the elixir that 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 cures a lot mm-hmm. a lot of the problems and challenges that this industry faces. I know last year at the Hot Firm event and I'm sure this year will be the same issue when we polled the hot these these are the most successful firms in the design industry. I mean, firms that are operating at at, at triple digit growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are not playing any mm-hmm. games, but their biggest concern is recruitment and retention. Yep. And, and and also uh, you know it's it's funny the the parallel for success whether it be organic growth or inorganic growth I think comes down to at least on the M and A side integration that's where we say the values realize you know it's tough to find a fit but even if you find the perfect fit if the integration plan and execution isn't there that value won't be fully realized yeah so integration yes in a acquisition or merger sense is critical to value uh, realization. But even in an organic perspective, some of the same principles that make integration successful, like making sure you have cultural fit, making sure you uh, motivate those who may have had some apathy in, in their workday, be able to reorganize offices to, to ring out inefficiencies. Some of these things consolidate systems, get rid of duplicative uh, accounts and in, in, in technology. All of those things, even though they make uh, for successful integration, from an organic perspective, they can make for the the bettering of a firm, even if you don't choose M and A. So I think the marriage of both in the eyes of firm leaders has allowed for better retention, but also has allowed for better integration when M and A is chosen. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and there's so many moving parts that go into a, a proper M&A transaction. And you guys are back there busy on the phones all the time. And mm-hmm. I've always said, because I cut my teeth in executive search, that M&A and, and executive search, are, are there are a lot of similarities, you know, in terms of the amount of time that you have to spend on the phone. And, you know, you're, you're chasing so many opportunities, so many different individuals, so many different organizations to see if they're appropriate, you know, mm-hmm. and we're out looking for candidates for firms. We're looking at, so we, we just, we spread it. We cast the net wide and mm-hmm. far. Absolutely. To, to see if, if things will, uh, will, will pan out. Uh, and before we before I sat down for this podcast, I had a, a couple calls, I had three calls this morning 
and just from when I began to now, we talk about the evolution of M&A and its understanding in the industry, the, the depth of questions, the good questions, the concerns, what's the story, uh, the, the questions particularly about uh, specifics on finances have become uh, better. They, they get you to the answer faster. Uh, you're not wasting as much time. So I think the education of the industry and the awareness of M&A as a component of growth has led to uh, better questions, better interactions amongst uh, prospective partners and ultimately has somewhat reduced the amount of time it takes to execute a transaction because of the overall increase in awareness. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's a lot that there's a lot there to unpack. And I I know that we we always hear that um, that constant discussion about the importance of culture. And you mentioned it earlier. How how much time do you guys spend on kind of explaining to firms that aspect of culture and not to overlook it? You know, Mm -hmm. where when you get some firm leaders that are just hyper focused on what the end result is going to be from a financial or a numbers Mm -hmm. perspective, but they they ultimately can ignore the cultural impact at their own peril. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so on the buy side, culture is important because, number one, if you're growing, you're thriving, you don't want to upset the internal culture uh, really without any reason to do so. Uh, shakeups are good when things are getting stale. But if you're growing constantly and at a good clip, uh, just kind of frivolously uh, injecting someone else's culture into your own can be. Uh, detrimental uh, not only to the transaction but to uh, the legacy company Uh, from a sales side uh, ultimately uh, a buyer wants to know they can work with you yeah they also want to know how much uh, how much impact on a day-to-day basis as a leader do you have on the tone and tenor of a firm and that comes off very clearly in our introduction uh, calls or or in overall uh in-person meeting so we try to coach that's why we like to have a kickoff meeting we want to go in and understand your culture we want to be able to coach you up on the importance of not hiding some of the things you do like what are you looking at internally uh what are the mechanisms you have whether it be employee surveys whether it be client surveys are you uh heavily invested in in marketing and what does that mean is that just marketing of services is that is that bolstering your brand or are you marketing experts as uh as employees what is that mix how do people feel a part of the growth or the the life of the firm all of these things those are the intangible things that numbers can't show that are critical for integration and so experienced buyers buyers who have a a a history of of successful transactions as well as successful integration they ask those questions and and so to kind of go back to my earlier point that evolution on and and education on m&a doesn't just come from a transactional perspective it's learning those ins and outs of what from an intangible uh uh, perspective is needed uh for ultimate success uh both in the transaction and in, in in the integration and then you also want to maintain uh you know, from a key client perspective, if you're not in a particular geographic market, you don't want to totally upset uh, the established clients of that that firm that you're looking at. You want to make sure that they still feel that the company that they knew and how they operate it is going to continue to do so. Right. And so there, it's a fine line there. But the people who get it right uh, are the ones who can grow exponentially because they have an integration process they've had experience in it they can get people going faster which increases the payback period uh to realize the value and ultimately allows you to move on to another transaction with more confidence and with less paranoia internally yeah because nobody likes change no one likes change. No, no one likes change everybody likes status quo and things to go the way that they've always gone so if i've worked with a firm for the last 15 20 years and then they get acquired my first concern as a customer and or a client is, are they going to still serve me and serve my needs the way that I experienced it in the past? Mm-hmm. And that's a real issue. And I know that you have to work hard at, to preserve that type of trust and relationship. And also doing the due diligence. Sometimes the internal culture of a, of a target firm isn't what the employees want it to be. Right. And so being aware of that is 
is important because you can use integration as kind of that watershed moment to where we write the ship that everyone in the way that everyone needs it to be righted. So you can actually take advantage of 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 this opportunity. I don't like to look at it as change. I like to look at it as additions to an already thriving culture. And I think the the words you use and how you present it is very critical, even though sometimes it may be overlooked because it's not quantitative. So how do you how do you announce it to the firm? Um, have you done the, the the due diligence to identify who are the key members inside a firm, not from an org chart perspective, but who drives the culture and the feel? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be at the bottom or the top of the org chart. So understanding who's key to buy in uh, is important. And asking those questions of a firm leader actually allows you to understand how much grasp he has on kind of the culture itself. So. Yeah. Yeah. It can get complex when you talk about it, but ultimately, I, I think approaching these transactions both academically, but also with a, an element of emotion, which I don't like. But you got to be aware that that it's just the reality of it, and uh, you have to be aware of the things, even if uh, uh, sometimes uh, emotions can can make decisions a little bit harder. You oh, have yeah. to, you can't ignore them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everybody's got a personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got so many, there's so many balls in the air that you're juggling to try to make this work. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's never easy. And I'm just amazed. And, and, and that actually allows us to switch gears a bit as we start talking about personnel and about some of the things that you guys have seen, because that group back there. And, and as I refer back to the, the back section of our office where the M&A lounge is, if you will, and, and those guys work hard back there. and You've added some new people and mm-hmm. you did some unique things in this past year um, to add this extern program, mm-hmm. which was something I had never even heard of. I was like, what is an extern? And, and then, you know, you brought in some really amazing and, and we've had we featured some of them on the podcast. You brought some really amazing law school interns in to kind of help out. Mm-hmm. And we just recently went through the second cycle of these guys, I think. Yes. And, and they just did their presentation a couple of weeks ago. We brought in Wright's Barbecue. Mm-hmm. We had a, we made a we made an afternoon of it and mm-hmm. had a really good time and, and really learned some new things from these guys. And I love the way you're utilizing these law students um, to to help uh, help the team out and mm-hmm. also just help the overall company out. And so I'd love for you just to kind of speak to that and um, it, just to that idea and how it is it has really kind of taken on a life of its own mm-hmm. and what you ultimately think the impact is and how other firms might be able to, um, you know, start a program themselves and and we know a lot of design firms do internships, internship programs. But is there even an opportunity for design firms to bring in uh, individuals from a legal background to help out in ways that maybe they haven't considered in the past? Well, number one, it, it was important to myself and, and, and Jamie as well as you know we're legally educated, um, which was its own uh, <laughs> hell to go through. Yeah, but. Uh, we just know that practical experience can not only help the firm, but also help uh, students get through the grind. Yeah. Uh, seeing what completion can mean mm-hmm. before it's done is, yeah. is important because it, it allows that light at the end of the tunnel to be more apparent sooner. Um, but what we want to do is continue to build expertise. And, um, you know, one of the things that's important to me is how young professionals function in today's environment. Uh, I try not to say millennials anymore. Uh, right. I try to say young We're professionals. We're talk about millennials in a minute. And being able to train uh, people in that age uh, age group allows for uh, us internally to understand where the market is going and what what it's going to take to lead uh, a particular group of people that are going to be the 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 lion's share of of the workforce in in short order. Uh, also, like I said, building on expertise. So previously, we just kind of went a little bit more in depth on non-disclosure agreements and covenants not to compete. Right? Mm-hmm. But we all face them. We face NDAs quite often. Uh, I know from an executive search perspective, you have to have a grasp of of non-competes and and just e- any organization, especially with growth. You don't want uh, uh, you don't want talent leaving and not only leaving but leaving with. 
information clientele and other things that that you've helped build and uh, build up to help the firm grow so from here we wanted to have even more depth uh, for for the students to understand stock purchase agreements and asset agreements but also learn how to not speak at the legalese level but be able to consult from it so taking expertise synthesizing that information down in a way that allows for firm leaders to totally understand the topic that's critical for consultants that's what makes is why groups so good at what we do from a consulting perspective we can take complex problems or complex issues or, or complex strategic situations and be able to give our opinion and consult to it uh, uh, in a simplified way we don't want to confuse our clients so they don't know really what we're saying. We want to be very clear, very concise, course of action in place, how we're going to execute it, and then have good communications on that execution throughout the process. And uh, so that's kind of how I attack uh, somewhat uh, leading these these externs is not giving every marching order down in a, on a piece of paper, but making them... Uh, feel comfortable with ambiguity to to develop that problem solving mind to be able to take small pieces and put together strategic vision and ultimately be able to speak to like i said complex issues and and, and infuse that into the current case that we face with a client and uh that's important to me i think that is something that every firm should do whether you're on the consulting side or on the uh, the firm side uh, where we work work with uh, is to be able to anticipate what the uh, job market is going to look like, be able to teach to that market, then be able to take that market and infuse your culture into it and your the way you approach business and, 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 and clients. That's critical. That is basically what makes a, uh, a firm successful uh, in the long term. And we want to do that and do that with some of the most uh, talented and bright students that we have in our area. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are certainly doing it because I, I was I was blown away by the group that well, the guys that you brought in the first time and then the group you had this summer. And I know you've got some outstanding young women coming in mm-hmm. this fall. So uh, I'll be excited to see what they present and, and what they learn through this process. And then whatever they learn, I end up learning. Mm-hmm. So and the and we we also uh, they have deliverables so they know how to consolidate information in memo form so it can be easily recalled and i'm also just i'm I'm proud of the diversity we've had in these these first six choices we've had women we've had uh diverse backgrounds from a racial perspective diverse backgrounds from a education perspective uh so it's it's very cool to see finance backgrounds construction backgrounds marketing backgrounds um uh analyst backgrounds uh, as well as the demographic uh, diversity. So that's something I'm proud of that, that we're doing here at Zwei Group. And uh, uh, it, it, it gives fresh perspectives uh, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It kind of helps to avoid monothink and, mm-hmm. and uh, to come up with some diversity of thought. Absolutely. Which is important. So, well, why don't we just... You know, and kudos to you for that. Again, if I haven't told you that before, I think I've told you that personally. But I, I've just been beyond impressed with everything that you've done with this extern program. That, and right. and um, folks, if you ever want to learn more about that, you need to reach out and and uh, connect with uh, Brendan, and um, we'll make sure that his contact information are, are, are in the show notes so that you can um, connect with him directly to ask him some additional questions and you know, get some additional feedback from him and, and, you know, just see if it's maybe something right for your organization. You know, you just, you just never know. Um, every design firm deals with legal matters, legal issues. Um, and it might be good just to, you know, have somebody come through from time to time and maybe see where your areas of shortcoming are when it comes to that. And, and to, um, uh, just to kind of help you out and, and, and add some stability to your organization from a legal standpoint. Absolutely. So, yeah. So it's definitely worth looking at. So and they're hungry too. Yes. That's, that's the thing. I know. Cause I mean, you know, and honestly, I think it's good. It's good for the, for the externs because, you know, a lot of these guys are facing a, um, a job market mm-hmm. that is, is, is problematic at best. Uh, I yes. know a lot of people that are graduating from law school that don't want to be practicing lawyers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want to create other opportunities. And there are a lot of ways that you can take a legal education, a legal mind, and leverage that into different um, areas of business. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a lot of flexibility there. So finally, let's talk about the um, the millennial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a millennial. How old are you again? I forget. So I'm 28. You're 28. So you're right in you're right in the throes of it. And I and I I like it because you're exactly 20 years uh, younger than me and 21 years younger than me actually. So. Um, but but I like the fact that you bring a different perspective to things, and and I, I know that we talk about it all the time. Like you know these you know these millennials are walking around with like horns on their heads and everything like that, and I yeah. I just find it funny. I mean, there's so many articles out there about millennials. I mean, honestly, somebody raised these millennials, right? And and another generation raised the kids that we're calling millennials today. So I think folks a need to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like these kids just grew up in a test tube somewhere. These are these these kids are formed. Their opinions are formed. Their lives are are somewhat dictated by the people that raised them. Absolutely. And that was another generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a lot of people in my generation, uh, and and then some. So and that's neither here nor there. But it's just the bottom line that we can't forget that. But I think. It, you bring a, a healthy perspective on this, and, and I would just love for you to kind of share some of your thoughts about the best ways that that firms, that it, firm leaders in the design space, whether they are project man, manager, senior project manager, a principal at a design firm, and you're trying to make sense of working with um, you know different younger people on your staff, and for some reason or another, you just feel like you cannot get through to them. Mm-hmm. I want a millennial to give you the real 411 on on you know maybe some best practices and some things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And I know you have some other thoughts and ideas you'd like to share as well. So my first TZL articles were on on this topic and I'm I'm currently writing on and I think it comes down to three things simply uh simply put it, it comes down to trust in the organization and leadership choice and that's uh, you know choice means multiple things that could be choice and work-life balance choice and pto and time schedules but i think more critically it's choice and personality choice and approach uh being comfortable with the fact that everyone doesn't uh, communicate the same they don't approach problems the same Mm -hmm. they don't see uh opportunities the same they don't um the risk appetite is the same. So being comfortable with the variety that I think is healthy for an organization, uh, being being comfortable with it. And then uh, purpose, which we talked about, uh, I think I've talked about previously. Purpose is important. What is the purpose of the firm? What are we doing to satisfy that purpose? And where do I fit as an individual within the firm? Uh, in that plan to to execute on on the purpose that drives an organization. I think those are the three things that are most important. There are others, uh, but I think those are the the most critical things. Um, From a communication perspective, um, I I think young professionals are more hands-on. If you ask them a question, if you ask their opinion, they're gonna give it to you. the days of um, just kind of being uh, a formality. Uh, you asked the audience, but you didn't really expect the audience to push back or really answer. Uh, just expected them to kind of parrot the decisions of leadership. Those days are over for most people. Now, um, young professionals have to know the proper decorum to take to that uh, to 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 color that mindset. Mm-hmm. But I think leaders also have to be comfortable with pushback and and see it as an opportunity to have true depth behind decision-making. Right. Uh, because if someone asks you why and you can't answer, that's really not the young professional's problem. That decision probably should be made with a why in mind, and yeah. then it can start to condition organizations to be very deliberate in decision-making. Uh, I kind of spoke to choice. Uh, trust, I think trust is important Obviously, and I don't mean it in a cliche perspective, it's how consistent are choices internally? How consistent is performance being rewarded? How consistent is um, our efforts to grow uh, in relation to the the uh, strategy that was 
uh, laid out uh, in the beginning. And we deal with it internally, but from a uh, from a AEC perspective, that is something that I, I'm not quite sure that it's as deliberate as it needs to be. Um, and and I think that's something that firm leaders would do well in an assessing. And it doesn't mean that you're not. It just it just may mean. Um, the approach and the delivery and communication of strategy and direction may not be being relayed uh, properly. I, I don't think with the mix of employees in most organizations now from a cultural perspective that a one size fits all communication strategy is is it, it's easier probably, but I don't think it's going to be the most successful. And so um, you may have to personalize a vision more now for young professionals. It may not just be an organizational vision and you kind of figure out where you fit in. Um, people want to know what you think. Where yeah. do you see me? Yeah. What do you think of me and how do I fit in? If I'm doing well, then where can I improve? Mm -hmm. uh, what's next for me? Have I topped out at this, at this level? Um, I don't want to top out at 28, you know, just to put my... Uh, my age in there if I was in an organization and I felt like uh, the ceiling was being reached already then that's something that that probably isn't going to appeal and that's also something that is going to be observed by other young professionals in the office yeah and so um, whether it be um, you know a survey crew where the majority are 55 60 mm -hmm. and you got a young professional who really likes it and is a survey uh, a part of a survey crew can you communicate to the 60 year old the same way you do a 30 year old probably not yeah technology's probably changed uh interactions have probably changed all of these things have probably changed you can't ignore it mm -hmm. and so i think that's important uh as well so it's just being able to kind of step outside of the classical way of thinking, not look at having to answer individual questions or personalized requests as a negative, but looking at it as a changing landscape and also use it as an opportunity to change how you interact with, with customers. Increasingly, you're going to have to tailor what you do to a particular client. Yeah. And so if you do that both internally uh, and externally, I think you're setting yourself up for 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 growth that uh, that most firms won't realize because they won't make those steps. You can't send the same proposal out or the same uh, uh, have that same approach in a business development for everyone. Right. You're gonna have to be able to to tailor things, and that's not just with clients; that's also with employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've said you've said a lot there, um, and you've unpacked quite a bit in terms of how you would work with and and you know learn from millennials and and you're absolutely right about the communication piece and it's one thing that I tell and when I do my our project management training here at Zwy Group where we do it in-house and go out and work with other firms we 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 tell people that you can ignore generational differences um, at your own peril mm -hmm. um, if you understand how best to communicate to someone from a different generation then you can get through to them but if you try to Im Im uh, impress upon them your way or preferred method of communication as the only way, then you really run the risk of not being heard mm -hmm. by that individual and or respected. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always use the story of, of interacting with some people in this office, this particular office here at Zwy Group. And, you know, we have ranges of age uh, here at Zwy Group, but primarily this is a younger office. Right. But I know that if I want to reach most of the younger people on here, if I text them, I'll get the quickest response ever. I don't need to pop in and see them. Now, there are other individuals that I will pop in and see, but I also understand that a lot of the younger people respond quicker and respond better um, without a pop in, mm -hmm. without a, you know, just coming over to see you or, you know, asking you a question about this or that, you can get a quicker response via text than you can doing anything else. Mm -hmm. And some of you may say, well, that doesn't, you know, what I should be able to just go and talk to someone face to face. And yeah, certainly there's a time for that. But understanding the general method of communication for an individual and where they flow the best and mm -hmm. what is, is easiest for them, that may be the case. Texting might just be a better option for them. And, 
you know it doesn't take anything away from the work product i've 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 written about it in uh in my next article about uh, matching communication methods and what i mean by that is for me i don't really like communicating via email internally right mm-hmm. uh i just like to to interact face to face but you have to be able to adapt and, and when i say meet uh communication with communication if i come by your office and things are busy for you uh my boss may not come to my office right. but the invitation to come back is important mm-hmm. if i call you uh and you're too busy i would like a call back if mm-hmm. i email you then an email's fine right but there is a hierarchy of when it comes to to communication that when it can be uh matched i think that's best right uh right it, it just shows a level of respect there um and I think one one characteristic that it would make me comfortable if I was a leader of largely uh, millennial um, employees is I don't think, generally speaking, we're as deferential to the leader's preferred, her, their singular method of, of, of approaching things. Right. There is a desperation to balance both how i would like things to be done and how you like things to be done and that for certain can be frustrating Mm -hmm. uh for a leader and that is something that i do think generally speaking young professionals have to get a little bit better at understanding that you're not the driver all the time um but those who can kind of split that uh as 50 50 as possible while not seating over authority or 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 things like that uh will have the most success um because everybody's approaches aren't the same and if you meet differing differing approaches with frustration or dismissiveness uh then it could kill all hunger that a young professional has um and so and it's also important to mean uh to mean it when you're soliciting um ideas absolutely Absolutely. Uh, don't give lip service. Don't give lip service because one thing I do believe young professionals are doing more now is holding leadership accountable for what they say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Which means you don't give you don't forget what you say. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. So, and, and if you make a mistake, you need to own it and be the first person to say, "Hey, mea culpa, I made a mistake. Forgive me. I know we said we were going to do X. We ended up doing Y. That's on me." It's not a reflection of you or anything mm-hmm. you did. You, as a leader, a real leaders, first of all, real real leaders eat last, and real leaders own their stuff. And mm-hmm. and as I said to somebody the other day, real leaders are also the first ones to fall on the sword. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time that I'm bloody. I'm just I just have, walk around with a patch on my stomach because I'm always constantly falling on a sword where I've made a mistake or done something, and I just own it and say, hey, it's on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll figure it out. And, and and the minute that you try to cast blame elsewhere, that becomes problematic. And no one's going to fight for you mm-hmm. if you if you constantly come off that way. Mm-hmm. And so consistency, that's, yeah. It, and that's not a that isn't a millennial young professional thing. I think that's just an overall leadership thing. Consistency in decision making. People can see when. Um, when decisions aren't consistent, when yeah. a set of a similar set of facts yielded two totally different results, uh, that information is logged and it can be used against you as a leader moving forward. It's unfortunate, uh, but that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know personally, I can't speak for all young professionals in this regard. I am a little bit more forward than most. Uh, and I think there is an increasing number, although I think it's still a smaller number uh, of people who are willing to to be a little bit more upfront, be a little risk a little bit more to articulate what they want. And leaders have to be totally okay with that. Yeah, that expressing and, and, and this is a discussion I've had with um, kind of my group of friends is. A when you're sitting across from someone that you're in a partnership with and one side is offended that 
uh, an approach is different. Yeah. We're not discussing what the approach should be, but we're we're upset that what was recommended wasn't taken immediately. That there was some pushback, there were questions that were asked, things like that. Um, that is problematic for our generation. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be scared into not pushing, mm-hmm. but I also want to know where the boundary is. Yeah. And so, so long as the ba- the boundary is is you're reminded of it or you know where it is, uh, I think a little healthy back and forth uh, for those who can handle it that's the key, uh, is good. It shows ambition. It shows, it shows buy-in to an organization. People aren't going to be fighting for decisions and risking internal capital over things that don't matter to them. So um, I think it's important to recognize that sometimes dissent and pushback and questions are actually rooted in, in buy-in to growth and not rooted into not buying in at all. Right. So sometimes killing that that type of uh, energy will actually uh, uh, encourage the very thing that you fear, and that's not being bought into where the direction of the company is going. Mm-hmm. People have to feel a part of the journey. Uh, that's important, and uh, uh, you can't kill that because that's very hard to re- redevelop. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's I think we've been practicing that here at Zwei Group. And, and obviously we encourage other firms to do that by getting young people involved in the process from start mm-hmm. to finish, buying into the vision, buying into the mission of the organization. You you I mean, and, and unfortunately in the design industry. And again, I'm not throwing darts. I'm not casting blame. But too often so much happens behind closed doors yep. in these, you know, these ostensibly, you know, uh, board of director meetings and and key executive leadership meetings where all the decisions are made in a vacuum Mm -hmm. and not to say that they're wrong decisions but it's like man you meet out all these ideas and everything and then you just tell people that have no vested interest in the plan whatsoever that you need to fulfill this Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do. Absolutely. You know, I think about our all hands on deck meeting that we just had the other day and and the importance of that meeting, because everybody walked away feeling invested in the process and everything that Chad Kleins, our president and CEO, had a chance to talk about was something that was tangible to each and every person in that room. And it wasn't just the four members on the board, Mm -hmm. you know, saying it, and this is what it is. Thus saith us. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, guys, this is what we want to try to do. Want to get your thoughts. Want to get your reactions. Here are some things that we're going to be doing moving forward. Here are some new, you know, new things that we want to implement at the company. Would love to get your thoughts and, and feedback on this. Here's why we want to do this. And here's why we think it might will be beneficial to everyone. And so, and, and to, to figure, one of my favorite, and I'm a quotes guy, one of my favorite uh, quotes on this particular topic is uh, it's David Brooks and Road to Character talking about the moderate. But he's really kind of talking about leadership and, and how the lows are lower than the highs are high. Mm-hmm. And that's always important for a leader to to understand. But I think as we're talking about young professionals, it's important for us to keep in mind that you know, the lows are lower than the highs are high. And from a leadership perspective, approaching decisions, especially as they 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 affect uh, young professionals, uh, the damage that you can do when you get things wrong far exceed the, the, the good that you can do when you get things right. And yeah. so being careful, understanding personnel and, and how they're going to take certain decisions uh, is important. Uh, and to divorce yourself from that reaction because it is emotional and you don't like emotions. I don't. But the reality is, as we said, in integration of M&A as well, it, it, it holds true for internal day to day workings and decision making. Um, every decision is going to bring some emotional uh, reaction to it because it's change. And so, number one, just because the lows get low doesn't mean the decision was bad. And number two, on the flip side of it. Just because uh, you have some immediate highs doesn't mean that ultimately it's going to lead to sustained uh, uh, efficiency or sustained success. So you have to be able to live in the in the middle and be even keel and not be too discouraged, not be, you know, insecure about decision making uh, because that's felt too. Uh, I will say kind of 
one of my ending pieces on the on the whole young professional millennial thing is people smell indecision uh, nowadays yeah. uh, and insecurity and paranoia and all of those things make young people uncomfortable. Uh, not to say that it doesn't make everyone uncomfortable, but when you're young and you feel confident, which I think is somewhat a characteristic of us, we're probably a little bit more confident than we should be in certain areas. But when you're confident and you're surrounded by uh, uh, either decisions or decision makers who aren't, it, 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 kills you. it kills your fire a little bit. And in the industry, uh, I think we have to start talking even more about the opportunities and the successes and how we're helping other people get better and how critical we are to the day to day life of just America and other places. If you're international talking about the positive side of what can be done, um, I think that that'll go a long way in invigorating uh, not only your current uh, employees, but also attracting the talent that this industry needs in the next 10, 20, 30 years, uh, people being excited about what we do and how critical it is to the day-to-day lives of people. So you have to be confident in what you do. Got to be confident in your vision. You got to be consistent in the decisions and the choices that are made in fulfilling that vision. And you got to be comfortable with the pushback and emotions that it's going to stir up. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to be a triage. Yeah. Man, well, you wrapped that up nice and neatly there. I mean, we've we've had you've given us a, a far reaching and wide ranging discussion from uh, M&A, the state of affairs currently in the design space to uh, the legal extern program that you so graciously started here at Swag Group and then kind of wrapping it up with the millennial mindset and just some best practices that you think are important to consider for leaders in the design space that are trying to reach that next generation of talent and impact them in a positive way and not a negative way. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much, man, for for coming on and and joining us on this podcast. I I really, really appreciate it. And you've given us a lot to think about. And as always, you drop some real knowledge whenever you've uh, joined us. So I really appreciate that. And and I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And, um, uh, any final thoughts before we close out? Uh, I guess my final thought is to to be a little bit more deliberate from a leadership perspective. Uh, and that's not just personnel. That's just uh, business development, um, operational uh, efficiency. Be confident in the decisions because that that's half the battle is the buy-in uh, to, to bring it all full circle. From an integration, whether or uh, integration perspective, uh, the same things hold true in the day-to-day operations. You got to be confident. You got to meld everything in uh, as one, and people have to see how the gumbo is going to come together. Because it is. It's what it is. It's gumbo. It's a bunch of ingredients yeah. that have to have to dance. Uh, yeah, together. together. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's it. Well, there you have it, folks. Brendan Scherer, a um, I'm glad you shouted out Wright's Barbecue, too. Oh, I know. I had to do that. Uh, that, That's my buddy Jordan owns Wright's Barbecue there in Johnson, Arkansas, slowly becoming one of the best barbecue spots in the state, Mm -hmm. maybe one of the best barbecue spots in the country. Uh, I I think it's it's uh, well on its way. Yeah. So we will will put a plug on in there for Wright's Barbecue, and I will uh, let him know that I did that and also put a link to Wright's Barbecue. If you're ever in Fayetteville, come see Brendan and I, and we'll take you to Wright's Barbecue, and we'll get some barbecue, and you can enjoy it. Make so. sure you tell him I plugged it, too. So right, right. I will do that. Too. So we'll take care of you. So, yeah, <laughs> nothing like a little free brisket or some of that candy bacon that they have. So yeah. Thanks for having me, Randy. Oh, no problem. No problem. Folks, well, there you have it. Um, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'd be remiss if I did not, did not, re- forget to remind you that you we have something special for you. We have a free gift for everyone that listens to this Wide Letter podcast, and it's no, none other than a subscription to the digital edition of the Zweig Letter newsletter. The Zweig Letter newsletter has run um, consistently and continuously since 1992. Uh, it has been a bellwether for our industry when it comes to information, 
And Mark Zweig has written some of the most amazing, amazing articles in the Zweig letter since 92. So I really want to encourage you to to take it and read it, share it with your team. Uh, Visit ZweigGroup.com. Click on the Zweig letter icon. Just put your name and your email address in and you will get a free subscription to the Zweig letter newsletter, which comes out at noon every Monday. You don't want to miss it. It is an amazing um, uh, newsletter that has a lot of information on the design industry. And that's our gift to you because we believe in giving every chance that we can. Uh, The other thing I'd like to remind you to do is when you get a chance, check us out uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere that you find your really great podcast. Just look up this Zweig Letter podcast, download us, subscribe to us, share it with a friend. And more importantly than any of that, we would love for you to give us a rating. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think about the podcast, what works, what doesn't work. If there's a topic that you want to hear more about uh, that we could discuss here on the podcast, we're going to be doing some really cool topics coming out in the fall. And then in 2019, I'm going to blow your mind. That's my goal to you, the listener. And we really appreciate your loyalty to this podcast and to all that we're offering here at Zwei Group. You know, our goal really is to elevate this industry one step at a time, and, and we can't do that without you, the listener. So thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. And uh, please share this episode with a friend. Uh, let them know what the Zweig Letter podcast is all about. We really appreciate you. And um, check out the show notes. Um, they'll be available. And if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, anything that was referenced, that all that will be in the show notes. And you'll have access to all those links and all that good information, as well as uh, contact information for Brendan, should you ever want to reach out to him. Uh, I'm Randy Wilburn, your host. And this is the Zweig Letter Podcast. You guys make it a great day, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter Podcast episode. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about M&A, strategic planning, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe now to the digital version of the Zweig Letter free of charge. Just visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe and leave your email address. Your free subscription will begin immediately.